Trinity Church is a place where we have learned, and not always lived, but we have learned that one of the greatest things that we need to do as people is to honor one another, to believe in, within and with one another, to be able to walk in times of tribulation and walk in times of great joy, but knowing that Jesus Christ is our Lord. And that the person sitting to our left and to our right are very, very special people. I was wondering if we, I didn't get, did we get those pictures? Okay, if you could go ahead and show that. Uh, Jeremy is out in Japan. And uh, he's just visiting many different churches and, <clears throat> and part of many Bible studies and services. That's Jeremy's brother with a peace sign. And who ministers in Japan, and uh, so you can see what you accomplish by giving and blessing him, and uh, he will come back with a report, and uh, let us know uh, the plans, we'll let you know the plans, as we endeavor uh, to sponsor Jeremy uh, as he goes to Japan on the mission field, and uh, we will sponsor him, we will go and visit him. Uh, as he goes, and we will be a part of his life for many, many years as he touches thousands for Jesus Christ. I know we can't hear you, but give Jeremy a hand. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There was a man who had great gifts and great abilities. He had a past that's, that he struggled with. He grew to hate people. But one day, God met him on a road. And when he met him on the road, there was an absolute transformation. God said, I want you to go away. I want you to, to spend some time with me and learn of me. He did that. But through the time of the ministry that this man was called to, there was a struggle that he always had. He had thoughts, maybe it's because of my past that I'm always having this struggle. People have looked at the experiences that he had and thought that maybe he had a disease, maybe he had something wrong in his life physically. There was a sickness. And because this man, when he wrote about it, he said that this thorn in the flesh, his name is Paul who was Saul, God changed his name to Paul. As God has given you a name, especially in heaven, and one day we will know that name. And if we listen to the voice of God, we will understand the, the power and, and the giftedness of the name that God gave us on this earth. But we need to listen closely. Paul began to pray to the Lord one time, and he said, Father, I don't know what's going on, but can you deliver me from this? He felt like there was no answer. So because he loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and spirit, he went to him a second time. And he said, would you deliver me from this? Come to find out in our studies, we found that every time that he went out to minister, that there was tribulation and attacks against his ministry. 
that he called the thorn in the flesh. He went for another time and, and tried to be patient and tried to wait on the Lord and fast and many different things. And finally, he went to the Lord the third time. He said, would you deliver me from this? And God very clearly said something to him because he wrote it down. And what God told me, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. We've been talking about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, Jesus said, is within us. And in that kingdom that's in us, we have become an overcomer. And we are called to be an overcomer. God told him, my grace is sufficient to you. That power that's within you, being born again, has the ability to withstand anything, to conquer anything that you face in your life. And from that time on in Scripture, Paul wrote about the answer of God's grace. You can go chapter after chapter, book after book, the things that he wrote, and even his fellow brothers who wrote, wrote about this amazing grace, this kingdom of God that's within us, that causes us to be an overcomer. Let me remind you, victory is your spiritual birthright in Christ. In life, you are either one or the other, an overcomer, or you have been overcome maybe in specific areas. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 1 John 5.4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Revelations 12.1, and they overcame him, speaking of Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Again, Jesus did not die on the cross, as we said last week, to give us the ability to cope. But he died on the cross to give us the ability to conquer. There are some of you here today that there are areas in your life that you have struggled, and you've been like Paul. You you love God with all your heart. You're, you're struggling. You seem to just fall in certain areas of your life. And I want to say to you that you have an ability to win, not just to cope. You have the born-again birthright, which gives you the authority and the power to defeat every enemy and foe that you face in your life. See, my goal in this series is to show you some specifics in life. If you don't overcome, I want to say it again, if you don't overcome these specifics, which is our birthright to overcome, these specifics will destroy your ability to fulfill God's plan. And we might pray the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time, the tenth time, the twentieth time. But the answer always is the answer to Paul. God's not a respecter of persons. His grace is sufficient, and we need to learn this grace and understand that we have the power and the anointing to choose to do the right thing, to choose to walk in this victory 
that we've been talking about. Remember, as we've learned, that love is our greatest need because we're created in love. Everything about you and me is love, so rejection is a difficult thing, and we've learned about that the last couple of weeks. Rejection is our greatest fear and our greatest hurt. Rejection is the greatest control point in our lives that the enemy uses or we use because we begin to cope with these things and it becomes who we are living a life of rejection. But today I want to step to another area of life specific And today, the issue of forgiveness or unforgiveness is huge. Yes, we talk about this a lot during the holiday season because we get to be around the closest people or supposedly the closest people in our lives, our family, during the holidays. Our friends, our business partners. I know that everyone that is hearing this message, we have many that listen from the computer after two o'clock this afternoon, and you're hearing this message, and things that have happened to you have been devastating. And you don't know how to handle it. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to do with this person that has devastated your life. Some of you can't comprehend the devastation you have experienced and what you suffered. And you cry out and you say, God, what do I do? And God very lovingly, because he's love and you're created in love, and to respond to him in love, he says, my grace is sufficient. The Lord never gives us the ability not to forgive, We simply have to forgive in every circumstance. We simply have to make the choice to forgive. Some of you are going to say, Pastor, that's too challenging. I know. (laughs) I know. It is really challenging. But Scripture tells us a story where Peter asked Jesus a question in Matthew 18, verse 21. And he says this. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother that I want to beat up, I added that, but my brother sinned against me and I forgive him up to seven times. Now you have to understand, Peter's going into a correlation of, of the Ten Commandments and some areas of the Ten Commandments. So he thought he was going to be real spiritual with Jesus. And, um, you know, that seems like a lot, seven times that you... Um, you know, have to forgive the same thing seven times. Probably after four times, I just want to bite the person's head off. But anyways, verse 22 says, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. 490 times. The issue is not 490 times. It is that you always forgive. See, in that aspect, Jesus said, yeah, I know the commandments, but I'm going to cover all the the stupid laws that mankind wrote from my law. And it covered every law. That you, you know that Israel added many 
laws to the law. And uh, so bottom line, what he was doing was covering all of the sin of Israel, all of the things of Israel. And we have to get to a place here that uh, verse 23 says, here's the kingdom of God again and what it's like in the kingdom of heaven regarding forgiveness. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Uh, There's many different opinions, but basically $10 million. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children all that he had, and that payment be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him $10 million. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. Basically, a hundred denarii is a third of a year's salary, basically of today, $20,000. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not. This forgiven servant would not forgive but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw that he had been, what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked dude, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. A lot of people want to say, that's a good story. Let's go on. What's in the next chapter? Right? (laughs) But this story tells us what unforgiveness looks like from God's perspective. I want you to really hear this. So let's talk about three astonishing truths concerning forgiveness from this story. First of all, it is astonishing how seriously God takes the issue of forgiveness. With God, unforgiveness is zero tolerance. Zero. Not, but you don't know what he did, she did. Zero tolerance. There is never a situation that God will allow us not to forgive. None. Jesus said, if you don't forgive your brother from your heart, my father will turn you over to the torturer. Well, some people are asking, what is a torture? Literally, unforgiveness is torture. I want you to understand that this is a God of love that has zero tolerance on unforgiveness. And then what we need to understand, what torture is, what unforgiveness, literally, when we choose to unforgive, when we choose not to forgive, it becomes torture. Stress, 
Physical damage happens. Nervous disorders go on. Headaches, high blood pressure, and skin problems. I can name a lot more. But what God is saying, I have turned you over. My grace is sufficient enough for you, and it's your, your choice to do the right thing. But when we choose not to do the right thing, then what I will do is I will turn you over to yourself. And when I turn you over to yourself in unforgiveness, these things happen. Many physical problems occur in our lives due to unforgiveness. If we could, if we could literally see every aspect of our life and see times of, of the flu, times of all the different things, I'm not saying that every sickness comes because of unforgiveness. I'm telling you that in, in essence, if we could look at Action, result of action. Action, result of action. Remember last series that we did, we talked about what we need to become. God's more concerned about what we become so that we will do the right thing. And that is what it is being a Christian. That's what it is being a son or a daughter of God, that we begin to live as we were created. You were created in the image and the likeness of God. You were created in, in love, and in love you love back. You love the unlovable. But as a Christian, there is no one that's unlovable. You're getting quiet again, except your phones. I didn't know if that was an amen or an oh me. God never created us as a repository for hatred. I have said that about 20 times in 12 years. I always go back to that. We are not created to be a repository of anger. When we decide to keep hatred, unforgiveness, bitterness within us, it eats us up alive. Forgiveness is for the forgiver, not the forgivee. God's going to work with the forgivee. Amen. He will work with them. Well, I don't see that. It looks like they, they won. They got the job. They stole from me. Just hang on. Not that you're looking. Okay, God, when are you going to get them? You know the clinical definition of depression is anger turned inward? Literally, depressed people, anger's turned inward. Because they're trying to be nice and they're not going to go after someone. They're just going to let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. No, they turn it in, it's inside. And that is a clinical definition of depression, is anger that is stored up, that is turned inside, and where anger comes is because we have not forgiven. Let me just show you this. Your emotions have very limited amount of energy. How many of you have realized that in life? Anybody ever got emotional? Okay. <laughs> If we went outside right now and said, okay, let's all go outside, and we started running, how far would you think we would get with running? 
The highest consumer of your emotional energy is anger. Anger. When you put anger inside of you, it's like putting your emotions on a treadmill. The end result is this. You wake up in the morning and you can't get up. You go to the doctors and he gives you medication. Now, let me say this and let me give you a caveat, okay? Because this goes on CD and computer and everything. The answer is not medication. The answer is forgiveness. Some people need medication. Some people really need med- No, just kidding. <laughs> Some people need medication because there's a chemical imbalance and there's different things that are going on, sickness, disease, and stuff like that. We are not against medicine. The Bible says laughter doeth good like medicine. But I want to tell you, a lot of people are taking medicine because anger's turned inward and because they have chosen not to forgive. Let me say this. I'll talk about this next week. But you can't forget. I want to tell you, someone tells you, just forget it. You can't forget it. You're human. Someone will tell you, just forget it. You can't. Unless God does a miracle and does it for you. Or you get hit over the head and you can't remember anything. (laughs) Our society is too medicated because we're not doing what God says. We're not forgiving. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit will always love you. If you are born again, anger does not remove you from salvation. So don't let the enemy lie to you right now because we're going to get deep into this. We're going to really challenge our our soul part of our life uh, for the next few weeks. But I want to tell you, you must understand your salvation is not based upon whether you're good or bad, whether you're angry or not, whether you forgave or not. Your, your salvation is based on whether you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen. So by you sinning doesn't cause you to lose your salvation. The only thing that causes you to lose salvation is what you were born again from, and that's rejection. If you reject Jesus Christ, then you lose your salvation. There are people that teach once you're born again, you can't lose your salvation. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That allows people to think they can do whatever they want to do. Thank you. God will give you as much grace as you will give away in this area of forgiveness. If we want God's river of grace to run through us, we cannot be a dam of judgment called unforgiveness. We cannot, church. We cannot. And I, I want to tell you, every one of us face this. There's, there's no one alone. There's no one here that, that has lived their whole life without doing this. This was a story 
The man's forgiveness was revoked because he was unwilling to forgive. This is a story that demonic oppression comes through unforgiveness. What happened to this very thing, this torture, as what Jesus was describing regarding his given over to torture. In other words, his own choice gave him over to his emotions. He began to have problems emotionally, and then it opened the door for the enemy to come in and make it worse. That's what the Lord's saying. And, and stick with me in this, folks. Stick with me. Because I'm going to show you, because some of us, right away, the enemy or your mind is saying, I can't forgive that because then that makes them look like they're right. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about you are created in the image and likeness of God. God is love, and God gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe they'd be forgiven. And the life of the kingdom of God is forgiveness. We've been delivered from this rejection. We don't have to live in this pain anymore, but we can move forward in this forgiveness. And I will show you how to do it. I will show you what Scripture tells us that what we do. But don't get into this place where some of us, well, you know, I still feel the pain. I've tried to forgive. No, you choose to forgive spiritually. You're still going to feel it. And there's going to be a time frame that you're still going to feel it. And when you think about it, let, let me just tell you, I remember as a kid falling off a stage, being knocked off a stage and hitting my head and having a baseball you know, like this on my forehead from hitting my forehead. By the way, that's why I act the way I do today. Anyways, <laughs> and, and I still remember that. I remember what the stage looks like. I remember everything. You will remember your pain. You will remember those things unless God does a deliverance, a miracle to remove these things. But you walk in victory. Throughout the Bible, you see mankind rejecting God. God forgiving, 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 forgiving. Then he tells Moses, you know, I, I just re need to repent for even creating these people. That was God speaking. But God didn't act out on that. You have thoughts, you have pains, you have things going on in your life. Demonic oppression comes through unforgiveness. Ephesians 4.26 speaks of, of unforgiveness. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Verse 27 talks about do not give the devil a foothold. But the sun goes down is speaking of unforgiveness. Don't let that sun go down with unforgiveness. And it, it speaks of the devil or diablos. It means to slander. What he does is he slithers in and produces a lie and slithers out. When you allow it to pass, this is what God is saying because he created you and me. If we allow it to pass through the night, the enemy comes in and will implant thoughts in your head. It's going to take you weeks, months, years, and decades to remove out of your mind because of unforgiveness. What are these things about? Well, things about your spouse, things that go on in life, you know, you, 
your neighbor, all kinds of stuff, thoughts that you have that are not good thoughts, evil thoughts. We open the door with unforgiveness for deception in our lives. It's called deception. Everyday wonderful Christians at times are deceived because of unforgiveness. Every day we face in life hurt. And people say, let it go. <laughs> yeah, and God says, let it go. But what you got to do when you let it go, you got to replace it with something. Remember when, when, the, when the Bible tells us about how that the, the uh, enemy goes in and the Holy Spirit comes and he cleans the house clean, and then when the devil comes back, the demonic comes back, it comes back and says, wow, it's clean. But there's nothing in it. Because the person who was delivered didn't replace it with the Word of God, didn't replace it with the things of God and the right thoughts and the right ways, didn't become what God called them to be. And because of that, the Bible says that the enemy can come in and make it seven times worse. It breaks my heart when I will talk with people and they can literally not remember what they had for lunch last week but they can remember 40 years ago of what happened to them. If you go to bed with anger, you will be mentored by the devil and not even know it. That's how important forgiving is to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. We pray, Father, let what is in heaven be on earth. Guess what's part of heaven? Forgiveness. But we want that part of heaven that has gold in it. But let me tell you, the most precious gold is when you walk in forgiveness and you walk in love and you walk with mercy and you walk with graciousness to people, even though they reject you, even though they hurt you. See, you will have deep-seated thoughts about all these things, but bottom line, this is what I call it, you've been deviled. And you think you were enlightened. You wake up in the morning after you've been angry all night long, couldn't sleep, you wake up in the morning and you think you've been enlightened, what you need to do. No, you've been deviled. If you do not forgive, by the time the sun goes down, and it's not talking about Okay, I'm going to be angry until the sun sets. You go to Huntington Beach and you watch the sun. Okay, now I got to forgive. No. It's talking about a lifestyle of forgiveness, of walking in an anointing that says, I will forgive even though I feel like I'm going to die. See, we think we've been enlightened to do something and then we tell everybody else around us what we're supposed to do. Really what we're telling everybody else what they did to me. When God says it, torture, torment, it produces division, racism, divorce, and lawsuits. <laughs> it is amazing to me how people, you know, just, I'll, I'll just tell you this. It's driving down San Anita, I told you this a few years ago, 
I was in my Jeep and driving down Santa Anita, and a guy was off to the right and on his bicycle, and he's probably 25, 20, you know, whatever. And I'm driving. All of a sudden, he just turns left, and he sees me. There's cars behind me. I go over. I can't go over the, the median because there's cars coming this way, so I just slam on the brakes, and he runs into my car. His elbow hits my mirror, and the mirror falls down, and he's bleeding, and so I'm on. I'm calling 911, and guy behind me comes up to me. He says, he told me his name. I knew who he was, worked for the police department. He said, I saw the whole thing. Don't worry about it. And uh, so I'm standing there, and so we're waiting, and all of a sudden, all the apartment complex, everybody comes running out with their phones. <laughs> we're going to give this to CNN, a video, you know. Pastor of Valley Community Church runs from an accident, something, whatever they're looking for. And, and so I look at that, and I, I'm thinking, what got people to be so, I'm going to say it, rude? And when I was standing there, and I, and I, I wanted to say something. So what, I'm not going to run. Here, take the video. My name is Gary. I will not run. You know, and uh, anyways, long story short, guy was okay. Cost me five hundred fifty dollars to fix my car. But the reality is, is division, racism, all kinds of things. And I'm not talking about what the world talks about. I'm talking about literally division in places where there needs to be love. I'm going to give you three sayings about forgiveness now, and we'll close with this. Hallelujah. The person of unforgiveness damages the vessel it is stored in. Worse than anything he or you can spit it on. The person who's living with unforgiveness, that other person did something awful. And there are a lot of people who do awful things. There, there are some evil people in this world. And we need to recognize that. But the person of unforgiveness damages the vessel it is stored in. In other words, when we don't forgive, it damages us. And what God is trying to do, Jesus is telling the story about the kingdom of God, the way God looks at unforgiveness. He is saying, I want to tell you, this is what happens. I'm more concerned about you. What's going to happen to you if you don't forgive? That ding-dong over there did what they did, but you must forgive. And if you don't, it will destroy you. Unforgiveness damages us, and forgiveness changes that truth. Let me just touch on that because of time. We'll cover it next week. Forgiveness changes the truth, even though the thing that was done was true. Understand what I'm saying there? How many of you realize someone really got after you and, and did some things and really offended you, but you know they were right? It changes the truth. And not only that, 
when it's untrue, it changes that. And God says, I will protect you. I will destroy the very work the enemy is trying to do in your life. When you forgive, when you live in that, tears might flow down your cheeks. You might walk away feeling, feeling defeated, but you're not defeated. You're more than a conqueror. But you live your life in forgiveness. How do you do that? Next week, but you begin a person, become a person of honor. You become a giver. You give instead of needing. And the reason why you don't need anymore because you know you're no longer rejected. You're never alone because you're born again. You are a person of love, is loved by God, and now you love. Who? Here's the second of forgiveness. Forgiveness does not make them right. It just makes me free. I can't forgive them because, you know, they think they win. Then they won. Forgiveness does not make them right. It just makes me free. When I forgive, I'm not saying they're right. I want to be forgiven. I want to live my life in a life of forgiveness. Kingdom of God, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, whoever would change your life by confessing Jesus Christ as Lord, they will be saved, they will be forgiven. The kingdom of God is forgiveness. You are created in the image and the likeness of, of the creator and now you are a forgiver. Not only a lover, you are a forgiver. That's you. You were created to be on this earth to forgive. And we need to become that. Everyone still with me? I want to be free, don't you? I don't want to be bound at all. You come on Wednesday night, we're going to talk to you about how that even Christians can be bound by demonic forces, not possessed, but can be bound because of choices we make. The last one, and we'll close with this. Forgiveness is one of the most, here it is, self-loving things you will ever do. You want to love yourself? Want to teach yourself how to love yourself and not look in the mirror and think you're worthless and no good or whatever like some people do? Forgiveness is the most spiritual, self-loving thing you could ever do. Pastor, what are you talking about? Yeah, you're right. That knot on your head really did something to you. <laughs> what Scripture tells us, and next week we're going to dig into this, it tells us that an absolute thing spiritual things that forgiveness does, it totally opens you up to everything the kingdom of God has. You can live a life of victory. You can live a life of knowing that you are loved by forgiving hatred, by forgiving racism, by forgiving anger, by forgiving all of those things. You live that life and you will be free. Just kind of elbow, not hard, okay? They might, un, 
not forgive you, but just, just elbow them and just say, I'm free now. Amen. Let's all stand.